Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend and welcome to the start of the Advent season. For our family, we, we love this week because for us, it's like getting two holidays in, in the same week. You get like that for you too? Yeah, it's so fun, especially now that the girls are off at college to have the whole family back together under one roof. This is the time we pull out the decorations right after Thanksgiving, pull out the decorations. We play songs that we only play this time of the year. We um, have a whole lot of family traditions that we that we have during the season that really make it extra special too. There are so many reasons why so many people, you see all the people nodding here as we're, we're talking. There are so many reasons why so many people love this time of the year. But if you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down as well. The holidays can highlight more than happiness. Isn't that true? The holidays can highlight more than happiness. I don't know of a season, like the season we're coming into right now, that is filled with more highs and lows at the same time. You know, there are many things at least some people are looking forward to, but when you're counting down to Christmas, for a lot of folks, it can be really, really hard too. We live in a broken world. And it can be a lot easier to mask that when you're just going through normal everyday life and when you're speeding through your days. But when you get to this season and there is so much focus on family, that can be really hard for people. It can be really hard when you're seeing all these images of families having so much fun together and there's tension in your own home or conflict in your own home or you have relatives that just are not getting along. And it can be really, really hard for people who've recently lost loved ones. And you've got that chair where grandpa used to sit or grandma used to sit. Or you have that story that mom used to tell or dad used to tell. And these people you really care about aren't there this Christmas time. And then that focus on family relationships that you see almost in every holiday movie, that you see in almost every commercial, for people who long to be in a relationship or long to be married or long to have kids or grandkids of their own, it can be really, really hard for them. This can be a season where you look back and you're like, oh, these missed opportunities that I had. That can be hard. It can be a season where there's so much stress, because you, especially financially, because you're looking at all the things that it seems like everyone else can afford and you're like, oh, I don't think we can afford that. And there can be stress around those things. And then this can be another year that passes where those prayers, those heartfelt prayers that you had for a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter for healing, for the breaking of addictions or a new or better job or a door that you've wanted to open that hasn't opened. These longings haven't come to pass and that can be hard. This season, like few other seasons, can highlight the heart. Well, when the teaching team, we began finalizing our plans for this Christmas season, our conversation kept coming back to this. How do we help people access real joy, real joy in the midst of these really challenging and hard situations? How do we do that? Well, if you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down. This new series is about accessing real joy in our broken world. And when I say real joy, it's not the, the fake it till you hope you make it kind of joy. Can we access real joy in this season? The kind of joy that when we get to our Christmas Eve Eve service, we're singing, or even today, we're singing with joy to the world. Pastor Jason mentioned that joy to the world, it was not originally a Christmas song. The song was first published more than 300 years ago by a guy named Isaac Watts, and he didn't draw from the Christmas stories that we find in Matthew and Luke. 
He drew, if you go to those verses, he drew from Genesis 3. It talks about the fall when he says sin and sorrow, thorns, curses. That's Genesis 3. He drew from Psalm 98, where fields and floods and rocks, hills and plains repeat a resounding joy. And it's a joy that comes when the Lord returns and makes all things as they should be. So if you've ever sang that song, you're like, yeah, joy to the world end. And we're not fully there yet. That's the tension that you should feel in that song because we're not to that end of days when all things will be as they should be. So I want to show you something here. Um, if you're watching earlier in the background, you may have saw that we had this beautiful display up in the front and this vase was at the center of it. Um, it was kind of fun. I was thinking back to our series that we did right before this one, the Growing Pain series. And in that Growing Pain series, we talked about how as people mature in life, we start to realize there's two halves of life. There's the half where you're building a container, and then there's a second half where you learn to live in it. But for a whole lot of people, life is is kind of like this. You, you've got your life, and, and you, you think you've got it kind of together. You're trying really hard to build it, but then... Something unexpected happens and, right? You're going through life and you you think, okay, I've kind of got this thing figured out. And then all of a sudden, there's that longing for something that hasn't happened yet. And you're trying your best to put your container together, but then life does this and life does this and life does this. And then your life, you start to feel, you get to a, a time of the season like this and you're like, it doesn't even fit anymore up there because I got this, you know, this is my container and that's not how I planned it to be. So we want to talk about how do you do that? How do you access real joy in a world that tends to do this to the life you're trying to build? How can we access, is it even possible for us to access a deep sounding joy that's worth singing about this Christmas? Let's go there and let's go there together. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to open our Bibles up together. And we're going to look at individuals and people groups and these these groups who are able to access hope and even joy. When they were in an occupied land at a time when poverty was even higher, corruption was everywhere. And in a time when God himself appeared to have been silent for something like 400 years. We're going to look at examples of people who are longing deeply for a promise that hadn't come to pass. And I know there's some of you, you're going to lock into that week. And we're going to look at an example of a man who struggled to believe. Some of you are going to be locked in in that week. We're going to look at an example of others who witnessed something. It just shattered their expectations of who they thought God was and how they thought God worked and what he was all about. I think a lot of us are going to need to lock in that week. Well, here's what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to press into how do you access joy when you sense like God is asking you to do something. And if you say yes to that, it is going to be really, really disruptive to your life and to your plans. As in, if I say yes to this, it's going to be really, really hard. If I say yes to this, people are going to think I'm crazy. If I say yes to this, I'm going to be saying no to something else that I think I want to say yes to. If I say yes to this, it might cost me friends. It might cost me followers. It might cost me a promotion. It might cost me a relationship that I thought I wanted. 
If I say yes to this, there's a long road ahead. Authentic Christianity is disruptive. It is. The kind of faith that's presented in the Bible it is a call to reorder our entire lives around the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. And for a lot of us, that's going to be a container breaker. Because if we're honest, our lives don't reflect that kind of a lifestyle. So here we go. If you have a Bible with you, open with me to the book of Luke. If you don't have a Bible at home, you can download a great free Bible app at Bible.com. All right, so I was rereading Luke's account of that first Christmas, and I was struck by so many things. Let me just point out a couple. One of them is how Luke uses the language in chapter 1. He says, in the time of Herod. And in chapter 2, he says, in the days of Caesar Augustus. He's reminding us there's a context for this. And that context was a dark time for God's people. So I think that's something to remember before we start reading. Here's another thing. Rereading Luke was also a reminder that Luke continues to be a top-tier historian. When you fact-check Luke, his facts check out. And so this thought hit me. What we're going to look at today when it's talking about Mary, Luke wasn't there for that. There is a very good chance that Luke actually interviewed Mary. I, I didn't think about this before, that we might be reading an interview that he, he sat down with her and talked to her. How cool is this? So here we go. This might come from an actual interview with Mary herself. All right, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 say, In the sixth month, remember that phrase, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. There's so much in these first two sentences. Luke says this was happening in the sixth month. In the sixth month of what? In the sixth month of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy, which is what came right before this. The story right before this is about another miraculous birth. And just take a look at what Luke does. Luke is taking two stories and he is putting them in parallel to one another. Really quick, we'll put them up side by side. In Luke 1, verses 11 through 20, and in Luke 1, 20, 28. So in the first story, he was troubled. Second story, she was troubled. The angel said to him, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. In Luke 1, 11 through 20, your wife will bear him a son. In Luke 1, 28 through 38, for you will bear a son, and you will name him, and you will name him. He will be great, he will be great. Said the angel, said to the angel. The angel answered him, the angel answered her. Gabriel, God sent, Gabriel sent God. And now, and now. Do you notice any similarities between... These two stories, the one comes before this one and this one. A lot of similarities, right? In both stories, you have an angel named Gabriel. And he brings a message from God. And here's the thing. The last time that Gabriel shows up, you know how long it was before this? About 500 years. 500 years. He appeared to Daniel about 500 years before this. So 500 years. Now all of a sudden, within six months, twice, what's going on? What's going on? 500 years since the last confirmed Gabriel's sighting, and now he's appearing twice in six months. In the first story, the one we didn't read, Gabriel appears to a priest in a temple in a space that one scholar described, get this quote, the center of the Jewish world, the holy place. I love this imagery. Only a veiled doorway from the presence of God's glory. 
Right, so that's where Gabriel appears first. Now where does he appear? In this obscure village called Nazareth. It's so obscure, it doesn't even show up in the Old Testament. He shows up to a young girl. A young maiden named Mary, who's not yet married, which means she's probably between the ages of 12 and 16. I think we have somebody here between the ages of 12 and 16. Taylor, you want how old are you? Not quite 12? All right. So imagine somebody between 12 and 16. 12 and 16, that's Mary. Wow. Wow. Well, Mary isn't married, but she was betrothed. And that is central to this story. Betrothal was a really, really big deal. In our culture, we have something called being engaged. In their culture, there was something called betrothal, which was a formal legal contract between families that basically stated, oh, you will get married. That's that's what it was. For about a year, this couple was legally bound to one another. But you didn't yet share a roof. You didn't yet share a bed. One of my sources said that one of the reasons this was is so you knew on the wedding night whether or not she was pregnant. He had about a year. All right. Let's see what news Gabriel has for Mary, who is not yet married and not yet pregnant. Verse 28. He comes to her and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Remember those words. The Lord is with you. Let's continue. Verses 29 through 30. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, Gabriel says, which seems to be something angels have to say a lot. People see these people and they're like, ah, But Gabriel also adds this. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. A bunch of things are jumping out at me. How many times have I read this? Angels know our name. Can you turn to somebody and go, angel knows your name. Angel knows your name. Just do it. Just take, wherever you are right now, just if someone's in the next room, yell, hey, you know angels know your name. Just, angels know, you, know your name. That's something. Gabriel continues, verses 31 through 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Hey, Mary, the angel says. I know you're not married yet. Surprise, you're going to have a baby. And you're going to name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and he shall reign forevermore. Let's continue, verses 34 through 37. Mary said to the angel, um, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, shadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived of a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. In that time and in that place, it is hard to overstate how being a young maiden and becoming pregnant during a betrothal would shatter the life that you're trying to build. It'd shatter it. You talk about shattering a vase. Life would be shattered. If the father of that child doesn't agree to marry you, you would probably be a single mom for life which in that time and in that place 
meant you would probably be shunned by your family. You have no source of income except to beg or to sell yourself. That's your life if you say yes to this. Talk about a resounding disruption. What does this announcement from Gabriel change for Mary? It's everything. It's everything. And yet, look at how this courageous young woman replies. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I'm almost 55. I'm a pastor. And I can't think of a response that is more reflective of authentic discipleship than that response that young girl gave. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that discipleship? That's discipleship. Mary says, all right, I'm in. And then what happens? The angel leaves. (laughs) He just leaves. Oh, here you go. Your life's about to change. So can you imagine being Mary? I'd be like, wait, now what? Where do we, what do we do with this? Mary might have been thinking that too. Okay, um, who is going to possibly believe this? But Gabriel gave her a name, didn't he? He said, your relative Elizabeth. Your relative Elizabeth. So here's what Mary did next. Verses 39 to 43. In those days, Mary arose and went with, what does it say? Went with? haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, who was his wife. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that, filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Hmm. With a show of hands, if you had just received a word from the Lord that was really, really hard, really, really hard, how many of you wish you had a safe place where you could go where not only would you would be welcomed in, but they would understand, I get it. I get it. And there would actually be joy. How many would love to have a place like that? I think we'd all want to have Elizabeth in our life. Someone who, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, isn't just trying to make you feel good, but through the real inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they recognize, no, this is from God. It's someone who, from their own lived experience, they're being led by the Holy Spirit. They understand how hard this is going to be. And yet, this someone is filled with joy of the Holy Spirit, and they can celebrate. They can celebrate because they can see with this heart, there is a blessing. With this obedience, there is going to be a blessing that most of the world will never understand. I'm typing that in, and this is a really bad analogy. But I, I was the thought that came to mind is I remember running competitively and how hard it is when you're running distance and just everything in you is just, all right, some of you know what I'm talking about. And it's just everything within you is saying, stop, stop, stop. But you got that teammate who's going, go, go, you got this, you got this, you got this. Can you imagine if they're doing the opposite? Oh man, this, I know how bad this is. This is horrible. You need to stop, you know. No. And it means a lot more when your teammates, you know your teammates know what you're going through and they're going, you got this, go, go, go. That means so much. 
It means so much. When you get it, you got this from someone who knows what this feels like, man, that is something. Can I get an amen? When these two miracle mothers meet, there is a deep understanding and joy that goes deep, as deep as the miracles that are being birthed within them. Mary took that brave step of saying yes, and she found in Elizabeth something that we all need. Someone who can see and remind us that God is good and that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. A positive, joy-filled voice speaking into her life, reminding her that, yes, life is hard, and if God's in it, his purpose and power are behind it. Look at this real joy that Mary's able to access during this dark time in history, facing everything she's facing, verses 46 through 49. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, this Christmas, if you don't have a great study Bible at home, like the ESV study Bible, NLT study Bible, I want to encourage you to get one, make that investment, because then you could go through like this thing we're about to read right now, This is scripture. Mary knew scripture, the scriptures of her day. And so much of this is linked to all of these different verses, including a song that a woman named Hannah burst into in 1 Samuel 2, a song that celebrated another miracle birth. All right, let's keep going. Verses 50 through 55. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and the exalted of those from humble estate he, and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. Here's how one of my sources summarized this song of Mary's that we're just looking at here. It's the gospel before the gospel. A fierce, bright shout of triumph. 30 weeks before Bethlehem. 30 years before Calvary and Easter. It's all about God. It's all about revolution. And it's all because of Jesus. Jesus has only just been conceived, not yet born, but who has made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy in her womb and has made Mary giddy with excitement and hope and triumph. Mary and Elizabeth shared a dream. A dream that was shared by the prophets of God who had spoken in ages past that there would be a day when God would make all things right. And Mary and Elizabeth also realized they were invited into that story where justice triumphs over injustice, where the hungry are filled with good things. That section of scripture ends with these words, verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. How many of you could use three months of a spirit-filled encourager? Who knows what you're going through? When you're trying to do that right thing that's hard, can you imagine having three months with someone who gets it, who's just there with you, saying, yep, it's hard and this is good. Come on. You got this. If you say yes to Jesus, it will be disruptive. When Jesus was still a baby, Mary was told, quote, a sword will pierce your soul. 
And in the years to come, Mary would lose Jesus for three days when he's 12. She'd wonder if he'd gone crazy when he was 30. When Jesus was crucified, she was there at the foot of the cross. But is that all that Mary experienced? No. She saw miracles performed by her son. She saw her son inspire hope in others. She saw her son rise from the dead. And that dream that she shared with Elizabeth, she began to see it coming through. I I mentioned earlier when that talk of the Holy Spirit that was coming upon Elizabeth and coming upon them, this Holy Spirit that actually, at the very beginning when when Gabriel's talking to her, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to upon you. Mary was there in that upper room, Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out. Luke wrote both of those texts, Luke and Acts. He uses similar language. Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on you, Mary. She watches it now get poured out on them. These people spawns a revolution that changes the world. If you haven't written down anything else, I invite you to write this down. The joy of Christmas can help you endure your cross. The joy of Christmas can help you endure your cross. What is the joy of Christmas? The joy of Christmas is God is with us. That's the joy of Christmas. God is with us. It's one of the first things that Gabriel said to Mary. It's one of the first things that an angel told Joseph in Matthew. It's good news for all of us. When our Savior says, as your disciple, you know, as a disciple, take up your cross and follow me, it's not alone. He is with us in that. Scripture says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. There is a deep, resounding joy that we can access when we anchor to the truth that God is with us, that God gets us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. That we're not alone in this journey. That what we're doing matters. And he'll be faithful to complete that good work. Even if it's not us, but down the road, faithful to complete it. And that's even true when our lives look like He's with us in this. Sometimes actually this is exactly what needs to happen. Because these little containers that we've built, they need to get broken. For God to do what he desires to do. Isn't I'm seeing a lot of people go, uh-huh. God didn't step into a picture-perfect world, did he? He was with us in a broken one. That's who he is. One of the resources I looked at when I was studying these texts in context, studied it up like this. It said, God can do great things through those who entrust the journey with him to his care. We can trust God to perform his promises. He will do it at his own time. He'll do it in his own way, but it will come to pass. And let me tell you something. This is something I can point you to, not just in a book by a scholar who studies these things. This is my story. This is the story of this church. This is the story of so many people in this room. This is a story that you are invited into too. God is with us. He still sends Gabriels. If there's any part of this message besides the scripture that I would go as far as to say, I think this is inspired, it's that phrase. He sends Gabriels. You don't find them, he sends them. If you have got Mary's disposition, he sends Gabriels. He sends messengers who have good news of great joy that is going to be completely disruptive to your life. He does it. 
And I never thought through this category before. I never thought of my youth director, Roger Twitel, the person who God used to shatter my dreams for my life. I never thought of him as Gabriel. That's what he was. A Gabriel. I never thought of the covenant denomination who told Laura and I, hey, you should play at a church. And we said, no, we shouldn't. I never thought of them. They were Gabriels. They shattered. They shattered what we thought God's plans were for our lives. I never thought of Wendy Anderson, who gave me a call right around this time, what, two years into our church, and said, hey, there's this young man in Juarez. The cartels are coming after him. Can you take him? I never thought. That's a Gabriel. That was a Gabriel. God still sends Gabriels. And you can still find Elizabeth's. I don't know how you say that word. You can still find Elizabeth's. You can still find spirit-filled people who will encourage you when you say yes to something that's really, really hard. Joyce Hardwick, you are an Elizabeth. Rhonda Mermel, you are an Elizabeth. Mary Lochner, she is an Elizabeth. Scott Reed, you've been an Elizabeth to me. I don't know if anyone ever told you you're an Elizabeth before, but (laughs) you are. Jeremy Marr, thank you for being Elizabeth in a season where we've got Gabriel's lining up right now, challenging us to be something that's far beyond anything that we've ever been. As we bring this message and start to bring it to a close, I'm so glad on Sunday that our kids, ECC kids, are going to be with us on Sunday. This is a message the whole family needs to hear. Because God doesn't just send Gabriels to people who are Elizabeth's age and up. He sends them to Mary's and even younger. God still sends Gabriels, still sends them. He sent them to a young girl growing up in the Nazareth. He sent it to a young boy growing up in Hastings. He sends messages, disruptive messages to people of all ages. So brothers and sisters of all ages, I ask you this. Will you respond like Mary? Will you respond like Mary? When a Gabriel comes your way and your spirit says, "Ah, this isn't just like a challenge. This is from God. Will you respond like Mary who said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Could you repeat these or could you say these words with me? Let it be to me according to your word. Is there something that someone has recently said to some of you It would be really, really hard to say yes to? Something inside of you, though, is saying, yeah, this is from God. Or maybe it's just that still small voice that is saying this to you, speaking to you directly. I'm not going to downplay how hard those moments are. But show me a dream that actually comes from God that takes you down a wide, smooth road It's downhill where the weather is always sunny and San Diego nice. This Christmas season, if you've been presented with a resounding disruption, here's our invitation to you. Your response to a resounding disruption could be the first step in your hero's journey. Your response to a resounding disruption could be your first step on a hero's journey. People who study stories, they've identified a storyline. A storyline that transcends generations and cultures and genders. They call it the hero story. It's a storyline where a person is in a normal, humble situation. 
They're drawn into something bigger than them along the way. They form new relationships. They're introduced to a guide who provides some sort of encouragement, support, wisdom along the way. They face challenges that they can't overcome on their own, but with the help of others, they make a real difference in the world and they themselves are changed. There's a reason why that is the storyline that has the billion-dollar movies because I think there's something in us that we're created for that. You were created for that. You are his workmanship. You're created in Christ to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. You're invited into a story. Will you say yes to it? Maybe that picture-perfect container you've been protecting, maybe it needs to get smashed. Maybe you, it can't hold what God wants to do in you or through you. Maybe he wants to take those broken pieces after it's smashed, create something beautiful out of it that he can use for his purposes. These very things that hurt so bad, perhaps God can use those for something beautiful. So maybe this is the season. The season for you to say yes. I don't know why this one, I couldn't shake this one. Maybe this is for somebody. This is the season maybe for you to say yes to adoption. Maybe this is a season for some of you to say yes to fostering. Maybe this is the one time, the season, saying yes to breaking up with that guy, breaking up with that girl, that group that's bringing you down. Maybe this is for some of you saying yes, the full-time church ministry. Maybe for some of you, it's not about that. It's about saying yes, that right where you are, to see that as a ministry, that everything that we do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your yes right where you are. This Christmas season, we invite you to say yes. And if you do, for the first time, if you've never said, yes, I'm all in, God, I want to invite you to go right now to manual.church slash I said yes. And there's some information there that can help you mark that milestone. And if you've already said yes at some time in the past, but you've never marked that milestone, go to manual.church slash I said yes. And there's information there about how we can help you mark that milestone. But as we bring this teaching to a close and we start this series, I want to invite all of us to pray. And for all of us to be open that this could be the season where we say yes to a resounding disruption. Let's pray. Lord, there are so many people in so many different places this Christmas. And I recognize for so many people, this is not the message that's really for them now. Right now, one of these other messages is going to be where they're at. When they're at this place of pain, they're at this place of longing, they're at this place of things are just, how am I even going to think about saying yes to that when right now I just need to survive this season? Lord, I pray for those folks that you are going to meet them during this Christmas season, perhaps through one of these messages that's coming up, perhaps through some other, other way or means. But Lord, I do pray that at some point they're able to look and see that regardless of what's happened in the past, you desire to invite them into your story. That wherever they are in their lives, Lord, you desire to be beautiful things through them. Bring beauty from ashes. Lord, give them that hope that it won't always feel like it is right now. And Lord, I pray for my friends right now who they know, they know what it is that you've asked them to do. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill them with courage to say, let it be to me, as you have said. And Lord, I pray that as they say yes to that, 
that Gabriel voice, Lord, I pray that you are going to help them find that Elizabeth, Lord, that person who gets what they're going through and who can from lived experience say, I get it and I'm with you. And you know what? This is going to be hard, but it's worth it. Lord, I pray for those who could be that voice for someone else, that they'll recognize when they could be that positive voice too. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Help them to have the hope and a real joy this Christmas. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.